You're listening to the Townsville Chamber cast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. In this episode, Townsville Chamber's CEO, Ross McLennan, sits down with adjunct professor Colin Dwyer from JCU's College of Business, Law and Governance to talk about the most recent Townsville scorecard. The Townsville Scorecard is a multivariable, multidimensional assessment of the performance of North Australia's largest city, Townsville. While Townsville is now facing new challenges along with new opportunities, the latest scorecard results are in, and Townsville's performed impressively well in 2021 compared to previous years. Without giving too much away, I'd like to welcome Ross and Colin. Welcome to our first podcast for 2022 and uh, like everyone, uh, the Chamber is uh, feeling the effects of this uh, dreaded COVID-19 and uh, we've got a couple of people working remotely today and we're limited to who we can have in the studio so uh, if the sound effects are a little bit off today, please um, please forgive us as we, uh, as we move through this uh, next wave of the pandemic. But I've got uh, Colin Dwyer on the phone today with me and um, hopefully you're coming through loud and clear so good afternoon Colin. Yeah, good day Ross, how are you going? Good, mate. Good. I um, uh, I love a good economic report. You know that, and uh, it's great to see that you're uh, putting out a scorecard uh, at the start of 22. Um, and uh, really, this report, I, I just want to get it sort of straight up for the the listeners at the very start. This this is a scorecard, isn't it? So it's sort of a little bit of retrospective looking first, and then uh, obviously some some inhibitors and and uh, opportunities. We'll talk about those towards the end of the podcast. Yes, it's a scorecard, and. It's slightly different from a a standard economic report in terms of uh, we are looking at what's happened previously and a scorecard is not an economic update. It's it's not an economic report as such. What we're doing here is bringing economic variables in. We're bringing social variables into the report, but we're also bringing environmental variables in. We're talking about uh, how all those variables interconnect within our region and uh, uh, how they performed over 2021, how they're likely to perform in 2022. And uh, uh, we've done this on four previous occasions uh, over 14 years. So we've, we've now got a, a reasonable amount of data. We've used 65 variables in those the total five reports, including this one that we're currently just completed. And uh, um, if you think about it, that it's a snapshot of how you've performed and you look back over time, we've actually now got a data cube and it becomes quite a powerful piece of uh, information for anybody who wants to look to the past to see how we've, we've done, what problems that we had or challenges that we had and what solutions we put in place. This is a very... It's not an in-depth report. We want to look at uh, certain variables and just assess whether it was positive or negative. In previous reports, we've tried to compare the region to a state average or a national average. And in this report, we're looking behind to see how we've actually performed in comparison to those other reports. So just from that helicopter perspective, uh, in 2009, we had 13 positive variables in that report. In 2010, we had 13 positive variables again. But in 2016, uh, the number of positive variables had dived right down to one. And we were 
we were pretty much in recession, Ross. Yeah, by 2020, we've jumped back up to 13 positive variables. And in this report, uh, the uh, positive news is that we've got 18 positive variables for the Townsville region. So, so just just looking at the last sort of the, the last 15 years of data set, you th- this is this is probably about the most positive one you've you've produced. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do these from 2003 to 2007, so we could have probably seen a, a peak to peak and see whether we were actually still uh, on a rise from a, a scorecard perspective. Uh, I suppose we could go back, but that, the challenge with that is that you need to know or remember the um, what was going on at the time, what was important at the time, and what variables to include. So. Yeah, we've only got it from 2009 to 2021, but I think it's a a fantastic set of data that we've got here and and great to include so many different organisations in the report as well, Ross. I think that's uh, I think that's very important to uh, to acknowledge too, because the report is free um, and the report is done by contributors that are that are donating their time for free. So um, we might as well give them a little plug on the on the podcast. Yes, so. Queensland Country Bank has come in as the principal sponsor of the report. And then we have data partners, uh, Colliers, uh, Propertology and PVW partners. And we've got a graphic design partner who's uh, Captive Communications. So I wrote, edited and coordinated the report with JCU. And uh, uh, the end result is a fantastic collaboration. And we've raised thousands of dollars that is going to be donated back to James Cook University to engage students and also get them to help with future reports. Because rather than just having one person or this group of organisations involved, it would be great to have the next generation coming through and contributing to the report as well. Yeah, and getting getting passionate about that 100%. And I know, you know, you were, you were ringing me over the Christmas break, mate, so it must have been pretty high on uh, on your priority to, to pull all of this together. So congratulations uh, uh, in an early start to the year too with uh, lots of disruptions and things. So, mate, let's let's get in and have a look at the, the report. Just um, on that, though, yeah. Ross, I was at the cricket, working at the cricket mm. while I was, uh, yeah. So. I, I did notice they were coming we through at lunch breaks and tea intervals. I did notice that. That too, because uh, uh, I must have been leaving the, um, the that that session of play as well, and was able to communicate. So I will acknowledge that. But mate, on a on a serious note, let's uh, let's start out with a. Uh, I'm sure everyone's talking about this last year, and it will start to be talked about again. That's that's the job numbers uh, and the, the jobs. I mean, th- there was some pretty obvious information there, but I was interested. You were talking a little bit about youth unemployment there, and I know that's been an issue. Um, and you found some interesting uh, data on that. Yes. So if we just have a look at the the total number of jobs that the ABS says that the region has, and that's about 118,000, I think it's important to note that they've identified 6,000 jobs that have been added to that list of jobs in 2021. That's That's a significant amount. But if we go back to the 2020 report, that report tells us that in the past three years, 15,000 jobs have been added to the uh, the Townsville list. So we dropped right away in 2016. But uh, the resilience and the recovery efforts within the um, the local business community and also the uh, public sector community, which is very strong in Townsville, has done a, um, a really good job of creating lots of work around the place. 
Um, we also, of course, had last year, we had the opening or well, real opening of the stadium and, and that created a significant amount of work for people. If we have a look at the unemployment rate, well, you know, that dropped uh, one point last year and we're at traditional full employment at um, the official 12-month rate at 5%. You know, you were around the place in 2016 and 2017 and we were talking about 11%, 12% unemployment rates back then. It was definitely a, a struggle in Townsville to find work and job security was a, a, an issue as well. Youth unemployment was uh, over 20%. I haven't got the exact figures in front of me, but the figure in 2021, uh, and I think this is a September figure, so the December figure is yet to be published, is 7.2%. You know, that figure was being discussed in the media all over the place and how how do we get uh, jobs for young people? How do we get them inspired to get out and get to work? And, you know, I think 2021 is that breakthrough year that has really provided a lot of opportunities for uh, youth to give them their initial job, but also to provide those uh, part-time and casual opportunities to provide them with work. That uh, youth unemployment rate, by the way, has dropped 2.9 points just in that year. So we're very hopeful for uh, next year or this year, 2022, that we can and get the youth unemployment rate down even further. Yeah, it's such a it's such a critical demographic to get right because you know they're going to be supplying the labour for the next thirty years. So you know if they are unemployed for a continued section of their their primary life, I mean it doesn't really matter what they're doing if they're getting a skill, they're getting up early, they're getting into a routine, they're going to develop, uh, they're going to you know, start their own businesses, they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but, you know, just, just critical to get them involved at that early age. Absolutely. And, and Ross, you, you'll think about your first job that you have. My first job was sweeping in a dog kennel, you know, I was feeding dogs and I was sweeping up after them as well and letting them go for a run. I, I loved that as a, as a young teenager and um, it, it gave me some great skills. It taught me to get up, get out of bed and get off to work and then I got rewarded at the end of it as well. Then I moved on to working at McDonald's and, and then I had various sorts of jobs when I was a, a university student. So, you know, you, you have a number of different positions. Everybody has this uh, different sorts of casual work in their repertoire, and, but it provides you with those uh, needed skills for when you get that dream job and you, you, you stick with that dream job and that dream career and dream business. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about um, I don't know about picking mangoes in the summertime or or removing <laughs> sticks out of a sand quarry, but I know my father was brilliant at finding me part time work when I was in my adolescence. So, uh, well, my I dad did the same to me as well. Picked me up and took me bean picking. Yeah, oh, I, I, back. <laughs> I, I I did whinge about the mangoes, but then when I had to pick the sticks out of the sand quarry just south of Townsville, I um, I didn't think the mangoes were too bad. But anyway, that's that all gives you life experience and uh, and puts things into perspectives doesn't it yes it does but you know one of the challenges that we've got in that uh, workforce arena is uh, skill shortages and uh, it's been a challenge for uh, some time now you know depending on um, uh, which industry you're in you know we can't get enough people to work in that agricultural sector when uh, uh, harvest time comes along. Uh, we can't seem to find enough people to work in the construction sector as well uh, on various projects and and that presents challenges to us in uh, the cost of the project and the completion time of the project as well. And, and then we also had this scorecard uh, issue that we like to bring in is that if we're having 
um, uh, and we're jumping a little bit here, but if we're having a vacancy rate and a, a supply level of housing that's uh, that's very tight, um, how do we find uh, how do we house those people that have the right skills when they uh, uh, when we offer them that job? You know, so it's a it's a big challenge all round for us, and we expect that to remain in 2022 as well, Ross. Yeah, but I guess fundamentally, if you can if you can show opportunity, that's that's the biggest. You know, if you can give someone a job and all of those other things, that your market. You know, if demand gets created, you know, let's hope the free market sort of gets in there and gets involved and and starts solving some of those issues for us as we um as we move forward. I know um yeah. I, I know one of the interesting things that jumped out of this report when I was reading it too is you you looked at a bit of the what was moving in and out of the port, and we know how critical the port is to our city. You know, it it was here uh, in the city literally was formed around it and you know some recent reports about the the major con- expansion and that going on in the port tell us tell us a little bit what you found found there with the the movements out there of goods at the port well we went and had a look at the uh, port website and that told us that uh, there'd been a significant increase in the number of mo- motor vehicles that had been brought into the port there was an increase of 34% over the previous year and uh, there was an increase of 17% in containerised goods that had come through the port as well. So you know, it, it helped to deliver a modest profit in the uh, in the port. I think it was around about 14.3 million. It was up 3.3%. But what we also were, uh, were told by the website that trade had dropped off uh, around about 7.7 million tonnes uh, overall. But very interesting that uh, motor vehicles had increased 34% uh, in, in their activity through the port. Yeah, yeah, and I mean confidence around it. It, it really is interesting, and, and you know, if we've moved into the start of 2022 and we look at logistics and supply chains uh, and all of that, uh, I was interested. A little bit of data coming through there about the, you know, particularly the industrial property market. Townsville, you know, we're a thousand miles north of Brisbane, a thousand miles south of the Cape, you know, the top of Australia. Major highway inland to get to all of those uh, provinces out there, and, and obviously the port. So warehousing, industrial sort of properties, uh, some really good numbers coming through there yes and, and I, th- I think you've hit the the nail on the head with this topic you know we're we're a geographically well-placed uh, location to be a distribution hub uh, so we've got all that mining activity and agricultural activity in the hinterland and we're also halfway between Cairns and Mackay and we've got one of the best ports in Queensland and so you have all this opportunity then to bring goods to the port to ship out. You know, we're the, um, uh, the largest sugar exporting port in Australia. We're a very large uh, uh, refined metals exporting port, but also to bring them in and then distribute those items such as uh, motor vehicles. They might be going to mines. They could be going to agricultural projects. They could be going to uh, civil construction projects that are quite busy at the moment around council too. So because we're a distribution hub, it um, means that people need to have those storage facilities for their trucks, but also for their products that they're going to distribute as well. But it's not just that. At the moment, we're seeing that the construction sector is performing a lot better than it has been uh, You know, when we go back to 2016. And uh, what that essentially means is that you've got significant projects that uh, require large storing spaces and you've got uh, residential uh, construction performing a lot better and every chippy and sparky and plumber needs a uh, a place to put all their, uh, their their stuff that they use you know in the, in building a house and so uh, as a consequence you you get this um, 
convergence of uh, a demand, not just because we're that transport hub, but we're also uh, doing pretty well with our construction services as well. And so people need to uh, to house all their uh, their goods and services. The industrial property market has uh, picked up in Townsville. And at the same time, monetary policy is a, a little bit easier than it has been. So uh, with favourable interest rates, that gives people the opportunity to borrow money to purchase those uh, uh, properties. But there's also leasehold uh, uh, available around the place. So, you know, once again, there's a number of different factors and variables that are influencing that marketplace. But yeah, industrial property seems to be doing a lot better in 21 and probably in 22 as well. Yeah, I did notice that you sort of thought that that, that definitely wasn't easing up. There was still still reasonable movement in that sector. Yeah, and that, and that came through from the Colliers guys as much as from uh, some other people that we spoke to as well. So it's um, it's an interesting facet, you know, of, of Townsville's economy. And the industrial market is doing well. It means that other sectors in the market are doing well also. Yeah, and, and you know, we always talk about the diversity of the, the, the local economy here. So, yeah, it, it does surprise you sometimes when you hear of why these things are happening. You know, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, there's that sector and, oh, that's right. You know, there's that. So, so yeah, when you when you throw a, a few different sectors in the mix and they're all doing well, that's, I mean, it's why I've always loved having businesses in Townsville because, you know, there's always someone that's doing okay. And, and you know, even when we talk about those bad times, like, and I think you see it when we do bounce back that you do bounce back quick because multiple industries start to 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 have a good run and 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 it it is showing here even in these reports that you're doing yes yeah so i mean jumping onto the social aspect i actually like this about this report because you know some of them just do the economy and some of them just do the social and some just do the environment so it is good to put them all in the same blender and see what comes out so the the social aspect what have you actually done in the social component of this report what what have you honed in on here well we've got um uh, eight variables that we've included and we've uh, uh, we're discussing seven of those uh variables here so uh, we've included the uh, uh, stadium in there and the performance of the stadium. We've included population and population trends, uh, home affordability, uh, residential property performance, uh, residential vacancy rate, uh, comparative crime rates and uh, road safety. Uh, those are the, the key ones that we picked up for, uh, for this report. But, uh, you know, the, the pleasing aspect of this is, uh, of course, the... Uh, uh, the stadium's performance last year it it it, it was just a a spectacular year for for the stadium and and for everybody in townsville and, and i think one of the biggest things that it did ross is that it it boosted community pride you know we we, we had that lifestyle asset that um, brought the state of origin into town that brought the mini rugby world cup into town uh, that brought so many other events into town as well and it gave uh, the uh, the city of townsville a chance to unify with that one asset that we have and uh, and you know for me i think it was an outstanding performance it might be difficult to to match that in 22 and and future years but it was a, a pretty spectacular performance in 21 from the stadium. Oh, mate, it was just, it, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store last year. It really was like, you know, Origin <laughs> and then the Sevens and then, oh, what's this? The uh, the four best rugby nations in the world. Um, yeah. You know, when, when, when you get the All Blacks in South Africa to pay a curtain raiser, uh, you know the stadium's going well. Yes. 
But, you know, Townsville's known as a, uh, as a garrison city. It's known as a health hub because we have uh, the, the largest hospital in regional Queensland. And it's known as a tertiary education town because of James Cook University and also Central Queensland University. But with the Queensland Country Bank Stadium, we've got that new component to the character of Townsville. And, you know, I reckon in in uh, future years, you might even start hearing us being called Stadium City. <laughs> well, mate, it, it, what it did, I thought, was the major thing. And you know, we and you and I and and others spoke to some, you know, some pretty prominent people when they were moving through here. And you know, I could just imagine, oh, we're going up to towns, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're walking to a stadium from their hotel room, and and you just don't get to do that in many cities in the world you know you have to catch a bus you have to catch a train you have to and you know walking over the stadium for a lunch and and here's the wallabies riding back on scooters to get to their uh yeah. to their hotel room it it, it, it yeah. and you know and then 20 minutes later they're on the island um wallabies with wallabies jumping around on the hill so it was just uh it was just fantastic for the city you're so right and and all activated by that one asset yes and and the other thing that we need to uh, consider is how do we leverage that that asset that we have, you know, and you've spoken about a couple of things in there, you know, how do we, when people come in for a, a, a Cowboys home game, for example, and they come up from Sydney when all this COVID stuff has left us, how do we get them going over to Magnetic Island for an extra night? How do we get them, you know, going out and having a look at Wallaman Falls or Cromedy Wetlands, those environmental aspects that uh, make Townsville so fantastic, you know, and, and there'll be other ideas that pop up as well. So, oh, you know, yeah. it's a it's a wonderful asset. But you, you remember the old stadium? We had to hop on a bus and go out there and it would take an hour to get out there and you, you were pretty confined where you were about going to a restaurant and having a beer and then you'd you'd line up and hop on a uh, another bus or try and catch a taxi to get back into town, well, it's a much better location where it is at the moment. So, you know, all the people involved in getting that stadium up and running need to be congratulated, Ross. Yeah, no, touche to that. And you did touch on the, um, the in the social aspect as well, you touched there on the residential, uh, the rental availability, um, that side of things. We're seeing a lot of demand there and, and probably, you know, as someone that's owned property in Townsville now for the last 15 or 16 years, like you, you, that demand is it's all of a sudden a little bit pleased and and we that will drive investment uh, eventually but there is a little bit of a squeeze there on that on that rental market at the moment uh, yes yeah, so th- that residential vacancy rate has uh, um, got down as low as uh, 0.66 percent on um, my residential vacancy rate formula uh, that, that's extremely tight usually it's uh, um, you, know, you like to see a market at around about two and a half to three percent if you go back to 2016 uh, it, it was higher than six percent so it was a, a renters market back then but it certainly turned in the opposite direction in the last couple of years and uh, uh, for two years it's been um, you know, roughly around about that 1% mark. We've seen um, just recently that it's jumped up to around about 1%, but it's likely to um, uh, to drop off in uh, uh, April and, and tighten a, a lot more as well. You know, we've got uh, projects starting such as the Gen X uh, uh, hydro project. We've got the uh, ramping up of the Singapore Defence Steel project. And uh, there are some other public projects and we've got the uh, hotel out near uh, the villa as well that will be ramping up uh, also 
So, you know, all those projects are going to need people working on them and they're going to need to attract them from another location. And, of course, we get to dry season and that, um, that cooler part of our, our year and we get all these people wanting to come up from down south as well, you know, to spend some time in, in paradise, basically. And uh, um, that means that those rental accommodations start to tighten a little bit. We've seen over that time, as in those last two years as well, that there's around about 4% of the uh, rental bonds have been taken out of the market. Now, that's quite interesting. Um, you know, there's probably a number of different reasons why that's taken place. But one of the key reasons is that uh, they've potentially moved them into uh, an Airbnb type arrangement uh, where uh, instead of having a, a renter in there for six months, they can get a higher return uh, from just having it in a, um, uh, an occasional uh, pool that they, uh, they get uh, an income out like it's a hotel. So, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting facet of what's going on in the Townsville rental market. Yeah, and I, I one of the other things I thought that was really interesting here, and it, and it will be interesting if we start to see, uh, I know when we got the early rush on property up here uh, last year, like the, the, the real estate agents were saying, no, these, these are locals buying properties here that we haven't seen the Vespers or the Boomerangs or anything like that turning up yet. Undoubtedly, they're here now buying property. But, you know, in, in your report, you really highlighted the, the actual affordability of, uh, of buying property here. So as that squeeze tighter, you, you, you may see people, more and people moving into actually buying their homes because they actually have a you know, look at it. And of course, we'll we'll get that influx of, of Southern people because they'll they'll just see the value instantly from what they're used to in whatever, you know, major city that they're used to buying in. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, when we look at home affordability, there's, a, there's an index that's created, you know, a home affordability index. A lot of people would would know that. And uh, what it is, is the uh, median house price that's divided by the um, the mean household income. Demographia is one international organisation that looks right around the planet at all the cities and tries to categorise uh, uh, cities as to whether they're affordable or not affordable. And Townsville gets a mention in there. I'm not sure that it actually got a mention in 2021, but it usually gets a mention in there, and, and usually they can you can pull out uh, Queensland information off that. And what, what it's been showing for uh, a couple of years is that Townsville is roughly third or fourth in Queensland for uh, the best uh, um, comparative affordability in the um, in the state. So uh, I think that's a, um, a very telling aspect of. Uh, one facet of the uh, Townsville social aspect. Uh, we've also used in this uh, report housingid.com. It, it, it tends to drill down a little bit more. It, it looks at rental affordability as well as housing affordability. Uh, it, it looks at unit affordability as well. And it, it, it gives you a little bit of a perspective about not just the mean uh, household income, but if you were in a lower uh, income bracket or a higher income bracket, you know, what you can afford. I've also done some work in the past developing a mortgage affordability index as well. You need the information from a census to do this. We don't get that um, information until uh, June from last year's census. So as soon as that information comes out, I'll, I'll be doing some work on that to provide some information. But there is some uh, very interesting information when you compare uh, affordability 
and uh, uh, then ask yourself a question, well, if you can get a reasonable job up here with that reasonable career prospects and you've got such a fantastic lifestyle and environment to live in, uh, how much is it going to cost me to live here? And, and uh, you know, accommodation is one of the highest uh, um, costs on any household budget. And if you compare Townsville to other regions, it shows that it's, it's quite competitive in that respect. Yeah, no, I I really found that part of your research uh, really quite interesting, actually, and sort of backed up a lot of the anecdotal evidence that's uh, that's going on in the marketplace. But mate, m- moving along, environmental, you put in this as a component as well, and I think there was um, there was six different variables that you used for the environmental performance. And I sense in your report that you're a bit excited that there actually is data now and is reports that you can reference to in this space. I, I sort of got that theme coming through. There was a little bit of excitement in the in the rhetoric there. Yeah, if you have a look at some of the uh, previous reports that we'd done, we'd, we'd looked at um, the amount of waste, uh, average waste that's uh, been produced per person in the Townsville region. You can get that off the uh, Townsville um, uh, City Council website. We, we went and um, discussed with Ergon whether they could provide us with some information about how much power everybody is using and what the average Yes, we managed to get that. So we've got a good starting point. We didn't do that this time. We uh, we, we ran out of a bit of time, but we also uh, came across something in a previous report where we were saying, gee, it'd be great if we had a, um, uh, some sort of report to tell us whether the Great Barrier Reef was doing well or whether it wasn't doing well. We hear lots of anecdotal information, but we'd like a report that has some consistency in it. And uh, we've had that for the last couple of years. So um, this report out of Ames tells us that 2021 was a pretty good year for the reef. And that was predominantly because of low disturbances. And, uh, you know, I was excited when I saw that, like a little kid. You know, (laughs) I love to see our environment doing well because, you know, everything we do is, is based on on our environment. We need that environment to be in in tip-top shape to produce what we produce in an economy and also have a healthy society, Ross. Oh, and, and our beautiful natural wonders up here too. I think that's uh, 100%. I mean, that's that's your lifestyle aspect and, you know, whether it's taking the kids up to Crystal Creek, going fishing on the Great Barrier Reef or visiting a tropical island 20 minutes off the coast. I mean, that's it's a pretty amazing place to live. But um, just, Spot on, just, yeah. But there's, there's other stuff as well that, you know, we haven't... It's got great potential. Cromedy Wetlands, I, I put in the report. Mm. It's got spectacular. Yeah. Have you been down there? Mate, I have. Yeah, I, I, I remember going down probably about seven or eight years ago with a group of um, tour operators and tourism business owners and, and, and so on and so forth. And we, we yeah, you know, Townsville does that to you constantly. Um, you, you know, I take people up to Wallaman Falls and they go, oh, my God. Yeah, we've got a 305-metre waterfall in our backyard. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we undersell the place. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, mate, just um, – sorry. Yeah, go, yeah. Colin. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was going to talk about the hydrogen cluster that's starting up. That mm. was the other very positive environmental um, you know, thing that occurred in 2021. And I think it's fantastic that we've got Sun Metals that is uh, such a progressive company and it's looking at all those different options. Since it got here, it's always tried to be part of the community and it's always tried to do the best that it possibly can, not only just in profits, but also uh, by the um, the environment that it, it exists in, you know. So... I'm very excited by what they're doing down there. They've, they've got the hydrogen cluster going and they've got a, a gravity-driven battery system 
that is also very exciting as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed in that space. Oh, I concur there. And, yeah, we've seen a couple of presentations now from, you know, ARC, the sister company, of course. Uh, it, it is very exciting what the entire organisation is doing out there. But but how generous they are with the community as well and, and bringing other businesses along for the journey. I think you've summed up that, you know, very, very well in that aspect there. They really are sort of building that momentum as a cluster as well. So, um, but, mate... Uh, I, re- I remember when they first came in, you know, and they were looking for power and water, and we had lots of water to give them. But, of course, our, our power uh, systems came up from um, uh, Bilawila and uh, um, uh, the Calide B, uh, I think it was. And so you, you lose so much power when you uh, you come up uh, on that uh, journey from down south. I think it's roughly about 30% of the power that's lost, which adds to the cost of the, uh, of the power. Mm. And then uh, they also had these uh, um, uh, little spikes where they needed to produce... And uh, everybody's switching on an oven or an air conditioner at the same time, and the, the price of power for them is going through the roof. So these guys have uh, adapted to their environment. They've got solar farms down there, and they've, uh, uh, they're now going down a, uh, a completely new, innovative path. And I, I think this is great for Townsville, and, and this is the leadership that um, I think business needs, you know. Yep, no, you won't get any arguments there. Um, of course, there are some risks and challenges. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the conclusion of the report, of course, right at the end. But you did highlight four four risks and and, and challenges um, that we are that we are sailing into. Um, uh, one's obviously no surprise there. Or there's probably a couple that aren't surprised. But you know, COVID nineteen skills gaps, Brisbane Olympics, and oh, the old chestnut of uh, of home insurance and, and insurance here in North Queensland. Yeah. Just 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 give us a cap of those four, mate. Well, COVID nineteen. You know, we thought when we were we we're all going to be double vaxxed that we were all going to be fine. But you know, we see from everything that's going on at the moment with the opening up of the economy that uh, you, you know you need to quarantine. And, and that disrupts uh, supply chains. Uh, and Townsville's feeling it like just about everywhere else around the country at the moment. So um, who knows what's around the corner with that? Uh, I think it's important that uh, everybody gets their booster when it's uh, uh, available to them and we get as protected as we possibly can because if you have an unhealthy community, uh, your economy's going to be underperforming. And we don't want to see that. We don't want to see our businesses... Uh, going backwards uh, and uh, uh, we, we want to see them thriving as much as we possibly can. So that, that's a risk and a, and a challenge into 2022. If, if um, I can just, sorry, Colin, if I could just add one little yes. thing in there. I think, you know, the Townsville Chamber and there's a number of, you know, community members that do an amazing job in this space, but it just really highlights the importance of, of thinking and supporting local and, and that purchasing behaviour about how you are spending your money. And it's just so critical through these times. We're already seeing small businesses close. We're seeing small businesses under extreme uh, pressure. And we've just really got to highlight the fact that, you know, getting out, buying the simple things locally and, and, and not doing it online and getting it from somewhere else at the moment could be the difference between someone supporting your sporting club later in the year and and not so we we really want to emphasize that at the moment yes um, uh, fully support that as well ross i've done some work on that in the past as well and uh, totally support it buy local support local business and you'll support local jobs and local community organizations as well yeah sorry mate yeah so go, so go on the uh skills uh well skills gaps um uh, we've got gaps uh, and deficits uh, and uh, um you know there's various definitions of uh, uh 
uh, these uh, skills challenges that we have at the moment. But, you know, essentially uh, we've got those skills gaps in the agricultural area and trying to get um, uh, people out there at harvest time is uh, uh, pretty much a challenge at the moment. Um, but, um, you know, we've also got a lot of construction work that's going on around the place in, in Townsville, which we've talked about. And, and we also talked about the cost and completion challenges that are associated with not having enough workers there as well. But one of the other areas uh, that uh, isn't uh, usually spoken about is that health field as well, you know. So we're not getting a lot of migrants coming in from overseas and, uh, and there's a lot of those positions that are filled by skilled migrants in our health sector. And uh, um, what we're finding at the moment in, in a, our closed uh, environment in Australia is that there's a lot of competition for those skilled workers and so when they're uh, losing people down in in Brisbane for example to uh, a higher paying job in Melbourne, Sydney or Perth uh, then Brisbane turns around and goes well where are we going to get workers from and so they they look to regional locations and and try and grab people from regional locations which means that uh, we miss out and and we uh, uh, we have challenges up here so you know, having some sort of a, a better system in in place to um, uh, um, uh, just make us more resilient within a, our health sector is a, uh, a, a something that we should have on the agenda at the moment. As a, you know, this is a risk. This is a challenge. How do we solve that? That's a, That's the key thing here. You know, we've identified these are potential negatives, but we want to know what the solution is as well, and we want to see solutions being talked about. Yeah, a bit of a um, bit of a plan, exactly. Yep. Uh, yes, the um, uh, the third item in there is the uh, Brisbane Olympics, and we've we've talked about this since around about March when it was um, uh, first identified that Brisbane was going to be the uh, the holder of the twenty through twenty thirty two Olympics. And uh, what's what's the risk involved in this is that we don't know how much is actually going to be spent down in Brisbane and what priorities are, are going to change. And once again, like that health story that I've just told you, where do they get all the workers to to work on on all the uh, the buildings and the road infrastructure that's required to support this um, uh, uh, this massive project down in Brisbane? So you know, rather than saying it's a it's just a risk, there will be some opportunities. In there, and it needs to be on constantly on our agenda that we're looking for solutions or opportunities with the Brisbane Olympics, because otherwise we'll just get forgotten about. We'll get thrown a, a, a couple of football games or something, and we know from uh, this time round that it's it's worth around about six or seven million dollars, and we know that those Olympics are, are going to be in the uh, multiple billions of dollars. It's not enough, in my opinion, that we get. Uh, around about $20 million back when uh, there's all that expenditure and all that activity that's occurring down south. We need to be very vocal in this and we need to uh, do the best we possible can, possibly can to prepare for any opportunities over the next decade, but also to argue our hardest uh, for keeping uh, the skills that we need in North Queensland to build all the projects that are on our agenda in North Queensland as well. I think that's important. And then finally, we've got insurance. This has been a challenge for northern regions, you know, north of the Tropic of Capricorn for uh, over a decade now. And uh, we see that there's a, uh, a $10 billion reinsurance pool that's come out. We haven't seen a lot of modelling 
on what the uh, the benefit uh, of that could be to home uh, people who want to insure their homes. But l- let's hope it does two things. Let's hope it reduces the uh, the insurance for uh, people generally, but it encourages those significant amount of people that have opted out of home insurance because it's too expensive to get back into that home insurance market and therefore make it a, a better and stronger and more resilient market to be in. You know, preferably, I would like to see a, a different sort of a, a system in place, but this is what's been put on the table and we need to work with it and we need to keep it on our agenda as well to uh, uh, try and get the best that we possibly can out of um, uh, any um, uh, any federal election that might come along and uh, any other opportunities that might pop up as well, Ross. Yeah, no, I, look, the, uh, you know, as a chamber, we've been very heavily involved in, in this one. And, and yes. um, yeah, it's... And good uh, on you for doing that as well. Yeah, th- thanks, yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, definitely, it, there's a lot of work to be done. We've got the draft legislation out now and, and uh, we've we've really got to look at the, the actual structure of it rather than the, the nitty gritty. And we've got to, we've got to hone in on... on how it's levied and who contributes to it because we've got to go back to the basic fundamental of insurance and that is everyone contributes uh, for someone that's unlucky to be unfortunate and you know as a nation we've got to start looking at insurance a little bit differently and not just not just uh, um, pilfering one area so um, yeah a lot of work to be done yes. there and, and uh, definitely agree with that one being on there as a, as a challenge but mate it, uh, look to end I, I guess holistically on a pretty positive note I, I know when um, you and I first talked about this back in December like the, it was coming through and you were formulating look you know eight, what is it 18 out of uh, out of 26 uh, positive that's that's pretty good isn't yes. it yes yeah it is you know and and if you look back to 2016 when we only had one yeah. i think that's spectacular that we've now got 18 positive variables in there and mm. and and three yeah three quarters of the way through a pandemic so congratulations townsville i think is the you know the the cry coming uh, out uh, and, and congratulate everybody in townsville for being part of uh, getting up to 18 positive variables on the townsville region scorecard and, and, and it really <laughs> is true because you you know you're not just doing business here we're doing social we're doing uh, mo- multiple different things environment um so yeah it, the, the indicators are broad and you're dead right everyone should stand up and say well done townsville i'm all for that and i think <laughs> I think um, you know, as a city, that's that's one thing that we've we've definitely got to promote is is how good it is here and uh, and and stay on that um, path as a community. So, um, Colin, I, I really do appreciate your time. We probably have talked a little bit longer than and normal, but but that's that's great because I thought the information was was very relative. And yeah, we'll enjoy the enjoy your next one, I guess. Yeah, well, the, uh, that'll come out next year sometime. But we've got a few other reports. Uh, popping up during the year. We've got a census coming along this year and we've got population to talk about in in that. And we'll have a few other reports to talk about as well. But, you know, we've also got 17 expectations or forecasts that we've put into this report. So anybody who's interested in uh, not just economics, but social variables and, and the environment as well. You, you might have an opinion. You'll be able to go to uh, James Cook University College of Business, Law and Governance and have a look at this report. And hopefully there's an opportunity there to provide some feedback and, and suggest a variable that we could probably look at next year. But for me, uh, I think it's been fantastic to work with all the organisations that have been involved in this report this year. Thank you very much to Queensland Country Bank, PBW Partners, uh, uh, Colliers, Propertology and Captive Communications. And, and Ross, thank you to you and the Chamber and thank you to the great work that you do at the Chamber as well for the community.
No, thank you, mate. And and I'm sure, um, yeah, I'd love to sit down and do another one with you. I know um, some of the people you just rattle off there are, are often contributors to our podcast. So um, you, you're in with a with a pretty good bunch there, mate. So um, so thanks very much, Colin. And um, and thanks very much for your time and, and all the best with um, getting this report out. Yeah, thank you very much, Ross. Thanks. See ya. Thanks, mate. We appreciate you tuning in to the Townsville Chambercast. Subscribe and follow to receive Chambercast updates for your morning commute every second Friday. Thanks for listening and remember to think, support, celebrate and go local.